Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. Hi, welcome back to Medicus. My name is Emily Hagen, and I am excited to be talking today with Dr. Sari Hart, and I'm joined today um, by Rasa. If you want to introduce yourself real quick, Rasa. Yeah, sure. Hi, guys. Uh, I know you've heard me a lot on these podcast episodes lately, uh, but my name is Rasa, and I'm very excited to be interviewing Dr. Hart along with Emily. Dr. Hart is an emergency medicine physician at the Heinz VA Hospital in Maywood, Illinois. In addition to practicing medicine, she is also an instructor for the nationwide medical school elective course called The Healer's Art and the sole teacher for the sequel course offered at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine called Healer's Art Reflections. Rasa and I both took the Healer's Art course during our preclinical years of medical school, and I had the privilege of taking the Reflections course with Dr. Hart this past spring while a third-year medical student. It was definitely one of my most favorite experiences of medical school. So, Dr. Hart, it is great to have you here. We're so excited to be talking with you today. Thank you so much, Emily, for that lovely introduction and that very, very kind compliment. I am honored to have been among your favorites. Well, Dr. Hart, can you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your journey to medicine? Absolutely. I would say that I probably entered medical school not all that different from all of you and the majority of medical students in that I had found that I liked science, and I was good at science, and I liked math, and I was good at math, and I liked people. So it seemed like a sort of a natural progression to make all of those meld together into a career choice and a career path, and that's how I started. I think that the piece that I was myself personally missing at the time and have only recently kind of come to embrace would be one more thing. And that would be a calling to service. Service is a word that kind of gets a bad rap here in the United States. I mean, think of the root of the word service. You've got servant, subservient. It suggests a status which is lower or lesser. And that sort of cultural tag on the word service follows us so that we don't say, well, well, I'm called to serve. I'm called to serve humanity. I'm called to serve people. That almost sounds goofy or Pollyanna-ish. And yet, I would say the healer's art and other journey that I've been on for self-education and then to share that has really led me to a place where I can say openly and without shame, I'm called to service. I'm called to serve people. That's wonderful. So you are now an emergency medicine physician, but I hear that wasn't always the case. So can you talk about, you know, your decision to pick the specialty that you chose and then switch over to a different specialty? For sure. I started out in internal medicine. I trained at University of Chicago Medical School. And at the time, I think we had Three female teaching attendings on staff. Three, count them, one, two, three. 
one of those three was my physical diagnosis teacher, sort of equivalent to what your PCM teacher would be, mm-hmm. and a mentor subsequently. And she was an internist. So when it came time to discuss what I wanted to go into, even though I love pediatrics and I love delivering babies in OB and really found internal medicine fascinating, there was really only one choice as far as she was concerned. And I listened. I started training in internal medicine. And this was during a time that was different. Uh, things were different than they are now. It's back in the late 80s and things like hospice care, palliative care had really not come into being, much less come into their own. A DNR order was not a thing. We were in the phase of medicine where we were technically really getting very good and we did everything we could on every single patient. So that when I went on morning rounds on inpatient services on internal medicine, I went from room to room seeing people who had been suffering from strokes and inability to talk and inability to move their limbs and unawareness of the world around them, inability to eat dependent on tube feedings, where the quality of life was below bad, below bad, almost not human feeling. And I did everything I could to keep them alive because I was a good intern and resident. But it felt wrong. I just didn't feel like what I was doing was good or right or really serving these people. I imagined myself in their situation, in their shoes, and thought, God, I wouldn't want anyone poking me for blood cultures at 2 a.m. Uh-uh-uh. So when I rotated through the emergency department, In my resident years, it really fit. There were people who were walking and talking and injured or hurt or sick, and they wanted to be better. And I wanted to figure out what was wrong and how to make them better. It just fit much better. It felt right. Mm -hmm. So uh, much to the chagrin of my chairman, I changed my last year of residency. Wow, that must have been quite a transition. Hopefully you didn't have to start all over because I think there is a little bit of overlap between the intern years and internal medicine and emergency medicine. But I'm really glad that you found the specialty, you know, really fits you and how you see and envision your career. Dr. Hart, in addition to being a physician, now an emergency medicine physician, as you just described, you are also an educator. We are wondering if you always felt inclined to teach. Was this, you know, an easy decision that you made? How did you come about um, deciding to incorporate teaching into your career? It was, I didn't even think about it, honestly. My mother was a teacher, so I come from a lineage of teachers. And I trained at an academic institution where we were all teaching all the time. Um, I didn't go the academic route, but I always wondered as I went non-academic, as I went to private medicine, would there be opportunities to teach? And I sought out jobs where I would have a chance to teach because I loved it. Well, I know from taking your Healers Art Reflections course that you are an excellent teacher and I can see what you mean about it coming naturally and you feeling, in a sense, called to do so. Now we'd like to talk more about um, the Healer's Art course. Can you please describe to us about the Healer's Art course and its sequel reflections course and um, the history of like how, why, and when these courses were created? Sure. Healer's Art was 
written and founded by Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. She is a professor, was a professor at University of California, San Francisco. And she started out on a very different career path. Talk about switching career paths. Dr. Remen was a pediatrician by training. And during her young adult years, she personally was beset by illness uh, from ulcerative colitis. She was in the hospital a lot. She was in pain much of the time. She underwent multiple surgeries. She couldn't eat. So she switched from pediatrics to sort of a self-styled career in psychology, supportive care, seeking out very specifically the worst of the worst, people who were the most disabled by illness, fatally ill, people who had cancers, people who lost limbs in trauma. And she worked with them in very different ways. She worked with them using the work of Carl Jung, some traditional psychologists, not doctors, Indian medicine and sharing techniques, things that she studied at Esalon, which is an institute in California, sort of an outside-the-box think tank for humanitarian alternative education. And she brought together many kinds of disciplines to put this course together. It was for medical students. It's five sessions, three hours a session. And she taught it in a different way completely than other medical school courses. But it was her work that drove her to understand that we needed to do this. I mean, it's so beautiful to have something so powerful born from pain. So what led you specifically to decide to, you know, be an instructor for this healer's art course and teach the following reflections course as well? So I'm at a friend's house. He's going, you know, you're a doctor. You should really read this book. <laughs> he's up onto his bookshelf and pulls down Kitchen Table Wisdom, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. I'm like, okay, dude. And I go in my free time, read the book. And I love it. It's short little pieces, which was great as a working physician mom. Little chapters, two and three pages long, each a story about a patient. All Dr. Remen's real patients, all beset by very real tragedy and illness. And each story had a moment of triumph, a phoenix moment, a rise from the ashes moment. Whether they died or lived, they all had these beautiful, beautiful stories of overcoming. I love this book. And when I finished it, I closed it and tapped it and said, you know, where is she? Where's Dr. Remen? I need to know her. I need to go find her. I need to learn from this woman. She has so much to teach me. And then I went and found, you know, my friend Google helped me find her. <laughs> was actually teaching a course to teach professors how to teach healer's art. So I went to the course in California, met her, learned from her, loved it. And the, uh, the following fall, I was at University of Chicago teaching healer's art. Amazing. So what do you think healer's art adds to the existing medical school curriculum that's missing? It adds a dimension that's just not there. It is so unique. 
it adds a dimension of education that is in a different non-didactic arena. It adds support for the human being that you are, that you can take out of the classroom with you every day to your studies. It adds a dimension of understanding from your own experience and using the experience of your fellow students how to be a better clinician. I can imagine what it was like to meet Dr. Remen in person when you mentioned earlier that you met her at the teaching sessions. What was that like? It was fascinating and amazing. Listening to her talk about what she was teaching added so many layers and dimensions to what she was doing. And experiencing her leading a group where we were exploring and reflecting on her questions and her teaching was so moving. It was really a life-changing course. Absolutely. I think uh, it was just great. I have been privileged to have several experiences that are equivalent in my own path of exploring wisdom and getting better educated for my own career in ways that I wasn't educated in medical school, but this was it was really amazing. I'm just curious, as a as an instructor for the Healers Art course, are you offered opportunities to like refine your teaching of the course and perhaps like learn about novel studies, novel topics that can supplement the existing curriculum that perhaps were not taught at the initial teaching sessions? So the Healers Art structure is uh, loose but prescribed. There are definitely boundaries on it, and there is a session guide for each of the sessions. Um, and where there are opportunities to add to it, there are really opportunities to add from one's own personal experience. Healers Art Reflections, the course that I subsequently developed, wrote, and finally, you know, got approval from the dean's office. I'm now teaching. That was exactly what you just asked about. All the things that I had learned or wanted to learn and bring back to the students because I found they made my life richer, my, my patients' experiences better. I could freely explore all of that within my own course. I definitely see what you mean as a student who took your course and loved seeing how topics discussed in the initial Healers Art course were further expounded on through the Reflections course. So I really recommend anyone listening who's um, considering taking or has already taken the initial Healers Art course to look into taking Dr. Hart's Reflections course. Um, I know that's really only applicable to Loyola students, but definitely putting that out there. Since these courses, both the initial course and the reflections course, which you developed, are electives, do you find from your experience teaching them that, say, a certain type of medical student chooses to take these courses? Have you noticed any sort of patterns um, in the type of student um, who elects to take these two courses? That's a really interesting question. So at the University of Chicago, where we taught the same course with some wonderful people, one of whom now teaches at Loyola, the number of students who would sign up on an annual basis would be like 12 out of a class of 108. 
at Loyola, we have 60 or 70 students sign up out of a class of larger 170, I believe, something like that. Um, so one of the first questions I had was like, wow, what is different about these students? One of my friends, a very astute woman professional said, you know, Loyola has a Jesuit base. It has a religious base. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's long gone. We're owned by Trinity. She said, you know, those roots, those roots stay. She said, University of Chicago has a tradition of research, and that is what they attract students and professors who want to do research. Loyola has a tradition of purpose-driven people. Probably more of the students have somehow either self-selected or been selected to be purpose-driven students, and that might explain it. I think it does. I really think it does. I would add additionally that there are, of course, always going to be students who don't like to reflect. They don't like to think about their feelings. They don't want to think about the feelings of their patients. They don't find that intriguing or compelling. So for the student who doesn't care for reflection, they're not going to take this course. And I think that is just the best self-selection ever. Yeah, and I definitely agree with the kind of hypothesis that was generated about the different types of students. I mean, being on the admissions committee at Stretch, we look for students who are reflective, right, in their writing, in their interviews. And so we prefer students who have this inherent need to reflect. I mean, I know how popular the Healer's Art course is that stretch, you know, as soon as the applications go out, they fill up. The students all want to take it and for good reason. So if you were speaking with a medical student who was on the fence about taking the course, what might you say to him or her? I would begin by saying if you don't like reflecting on things, don't take it. It won't be for you. You'll end up not liking it. But then I would say, that to a person, everyone I know who's taken healer's art has come away with something big, some increased dimension in their understanding and experience of medicine. None of them has said anything but good things about how it made them feel and what they took away from it. So I would encourage them. Me too. I would also encourage my fellow students to, you know, take this course because I do think it add something to you, especially when you go as a medical student and resident and even as an attending, right? Your day to day where you just feel like you're just trying to get one thing done to move on to the next thing. It just always feels like, oh, it it will be better when this has passed. It'll be better when this has passed. Exam after exam, boards after boards. It helps having that space to come and reflect on the value that you're gaining from all of these experiences. I 100% agree. Definitely think that the course is extremely valuable. Switching gears a bit to a medical education related topic. Some people argue that the skills crucial for practicing medicine, such as empathy, careful listening, and good bedside manner cannot be taught. And I think going off what Rasa was even saying a moment ago about how Loyola in particular searches for students who enjoy reflecting and inherently want to reflect and engage with their emotions. 
do so because it's just part of who they are, such that Stretch or any other medical school doesn't have to worry about teaching these medical students how to do so. But what do you think about the argument that empathy, careful listening, and good bedside manner cannot be taught? Well, I would say I have two answers. And the first answer is, uh, no, it absolutely cannot be taught. And the second answer is, yes, it absolutely can be taught. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. let me explain that. The no is about didactic teaching. The vast majority of what you're learning and the style in which you're learning it in the classroom is didactic. You are listening to lectures filled with facts. You are reading books filled with facts. You are watching videos with facts and technique demonstrations. It's all about didactics. Healer's art steps away from that completely. And I think only when you step away from didactics can you teach it. Because to listen to a lecture, you've got to do this to stay empathic. You've got to do this to sound like you're listening. You know what? It, it does not work. It doesn't stick. It's a waste of time. But the discovery model that uh, Dr. Remen uses and that I have taken forward and use also in Healer's Art Reflection is based not on didactics, but on sharing a seed talk, a talk with some ideas, some facts, some perspectives, but going directly from that into a question. And that question then stimulates a discussion amongst the students because the richness and the magic of Healer's Art and Reflections class is in the students. It's in the connection that they're able to generate in the environment of complete confidentiality, complete safety, generous listening that we build around it. The students bring their own experience to the classroom. As they speak of their own experience and listen to others, they learn from what they already know just by sort of enhancing it, maybe looking at it from a different perspective. They learn by listening to their peers. So all of the learning, it's got no book for it. I'm going to tell you that after years of doing this, a lot of the answers to a lot of the questions bear a lot of similarity from student to student and year to year, but it's never written down and handed to you. You come up from your own self with the answers and listen to your fellow students and go, oh, good answer. And that's the difference. If you're searching for questions about loss and grief within your own heart, it sticks. When you're listening to narratives from your colleagues and peers of their own experience and feelings and reflections, it sticks. And that's how you learn bedside manner, empathy, even wellness. We never teach wellness, but wellness comes out of having taken healer's art. I think that's a wonderful response and shows how shows how multifaceted learning is and how it can occur, of course, in the classroom. You know, that's why we go to medical school and training to become physicians. But so much learning also comes from our firsthand experiences and our attendant reflections and thinking about our lived experiences. I also wanted to ask you, Dr. Hurd, about the research studies that have shown that medical students actually tend to lose empathy as they progress through medical school. And I know this is no new finding, 
It has been a relationship established in the literature for some years now. But I recall a few times throughout medical school where I've encountered such research showing that, unfortunately, empathy and other um, soft skills, per se, actually decline as one goes through medical school, which actually is quite ironic, considering that the third year of medical school is focused on patient care, which is arguably when empathy is most essential, and there are the most opportunities for one to practice empathy. In preparing for this interview, I read one particular article called The Devil is in the Third Year, a Longitudinal Study of Erosion of Empathy in Medical School. What are your thoughts about this research, and how do you think healer's art might serve as part of the solution to this problem? As I read this paper, I immediately thought, well, this makes perfect sense. Of course, it all falls apart in the third year, and here's why. Here's why. The first two years, you have some patient contact, but you're primarily in a classroom, and your patient contact is uh, very almost non-medical. You're just talking to people, learning a little bit about them, trying to learn how to take a history to a physical. Third year, you're actually doing patient care. You're walking in as a junior doctor, where what you're doing is taking care of people who are ill. Now, suddenly, you start to get self-conscious. Okay, I better be really professional now. I'm I'm the doctor on the team. I'm the junior doctor. I'm the student doctor, but I'm I'm the, on the team taking care of patients. Society and American culture have a series of expectation about professionalism that we all carry, maybe not very consciously in our minds. So, is it very professional to cry? Well, no. Back it up a little. Is it professional to show emotion? Well, not so much. We have this image of doctors as being, you know, fountains of information and questions and tests and recommendations that are spiritless and unemotional. So we come in with that prejudice. We we think, okay, being professional doesn't involve being human. Being human isn't what I bring to the table if I want this new person to see me in my new role as a professional. And there's where the empathy falls off, because honestly, how can you be empathic if you're very, very keenly focused on presenting facts, obtaining facts, and giving advice? You're not really feeling like empathy is part of your professional demeanor. And that I think totally explains why in the third year it drops off. We're trying to live up to this social cultural expectation or role that really maybe isn't a very good expectation or role, this professionalism. And I I will say also this, um, it's from the course description that I actually put in MedEd 440 and the online course catalog. It's a quote from Dr. Remen that I think really captures the process that goes on. Dr. Raman says this, year after year, in medical schools across the country, the first-year class enters filled with a sense of privilege and excitement about becoming doctors. Four years later, this excitement has given way to cynicism and numbness. 
By graduation, students seem to have learned what they have come to do, but forgotten why they came. This is very true. And from my perspective, Healer's Art and the Reflections course are all about giving you tools that will help you always remember why you came. That's so incredibly powerful. I think, um, you know, whenever I've described healer's art to my colleagues, I've always phrased it. It's kind of like group therapy, right? You get to really discuss the feelings that you have surrounding these situations. And I think it does remind you the reason why you came into medicine in the first place, which is to serve and to give and to heal people. Yeah, so I I think that quote does sum it up really well. So you've told us in the past that you're working on developing your own website and podcast. Can you tell us a bit more about this? I am. Thank you for asking. The website is going to be Hearts Reflections, just like the course. It seemed an apt name for what I want to share. I would like to actually begin by putting together a series of podcasts. And the reason is interesting. I, um, I've been encouraged by many people to do something to formally codify my work. People who are in my age group, established professors, professionals, you're like, you have to write a book. <laughs> or, wouldn't it be cool if Oprah interviewed you? <laughs> but honestly, I keep my eye on the prize, and the prize is serving the students in the way that I've described. So I turned to my students at the end of Reflections this year and said, so what do you guys think? What do I do? And they're like, book, uh-uh, interview with Oprah, who cares? You need, to, you need to do a podcast. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, we don't want to see a video of some lecture on TV. We want to drive home and we want to hear you talking to us. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah. So this was a unique opportunity to try interviewing for a podcast and get me really thinking about doing podcast sessions. I would like to put those together, starting with the work I've already done to create the sessions for Healer's Art Reflections, and then go on to wherever it takes me. Those will be linked to the website as I get it going. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that because I would love nothing more than driving to school and back, listening to your voice and reflecting on the days that I've had. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And I wish we could talk even longer today about your work and and the Healers Art courses. But I'm happy to know that this is not the end since you'll be soon producing podcasts that we can enjoy. I'm excited. Me too. So while Healer's Art is a national program, it is unfortunately not offered at every medical school in the country. I know we've mentioned before that it's an elective course, but last I read, it's offered at around 70 medical schools, I believe, in the U.S., which is certainly not every medical school. So for students interested in taking the course who attend a medical school that does not offer it, are there any other options that such medical students could pursue to engage in the type of learning that the Healer's Art course facilitates? Good question. 
Um, healers are, can be brought to any medical school. All they need is one interested faculty to go and do the training. There is now an institute in Ohio, Vichy, Remen Institute for something or other. And all you have to do is get one faculty who wants to go. I would certainly offer up myself if anyone has questions on a faculty level about how hard this is to do or how much it involves, I'd be happy to talk with them and refer them to the right folks at Rishi. There is no online version of Healer's Art at this time. Who knows? It might, you know, move to online considering all the changes we made to uh, move everything online. But I do think there is something very powerful about being in community with other students while learning this course, um, as opposed to, you know, having some sort of, again, didactic session, right, uh, directed at you via online learning modules. So we are so grateful that you came on the podcast today. And I just wanted to ask if you have any parting words or anything else you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. And I would offer one thing to the students. You know, there are going to be tough days. There are going to be days when you feel like you just can't study another minute and there's so much more studying to do. There are going to be days when you get a test back and your heart kind of falls because it's not the grade you were hoping for. There are going to be days on rotations when your attending physician says something critical about your presentation in front of the entire team, and it makes you feel about so high. There are going to be days when your rotation team acts like you don't exist. There are going to be tough days. So what I'd like to give you is this. Remember for a moment everything you've done to get here the coursework you did as an undergraduate and maybe afterwards, where you worked so hard to study and learn and get good grades, the extracurriculars that you participated in so that your CV would look full, the volunteer time you spent with people who were disadvantaged in one way or another so that you could serve, and you brought all of that to a difficult testing process, interview process, application process, and you're in. You're here. I can tell you with complete assurance, you are enough. Just by the fact that you are here, on those days when you feel like you just, you're not good enough, it's not happening, and oh my, I've really fallen on my face, I want you to remember that I told you, you are enough. And to take it one step further, I would encourage you to consider this. Would you think about perhaps walking right up to your mirror and standing up straight, or perhaps stepping outside and looking at the open sky and saying to yourself, complete confidence, I am enough. I am enough. That will stand by you through some of those tough days. I love that advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Hart, for that parting wisdom and everything else you've shared throughout our conversation today. I'm confident to say that I speak for both 
Ross and I and all of our wonderful Medicus listeners that you are a very special type of doctor and any student, any patient would be lucky to meet you um, and be cared by you. So thank you so much again for being here to chat with us today. Thank you so much for this fabulous opportunity. It was completely my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to MedicusPodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relation is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization.